I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Remember what it was like when you were 13 years old. Remember the excitement when you're about to go on a school trip. Now just imagine, as the bus pulls up, there you are with your mates, your bags packed, and you're going to spend a few days at a camp by the sea, somewhere you've never been before. You all pile on and find the best seat, preferably near the back, and wave goodbye to your family. When you arrive, you go to concerts, you play sports, there are activities. It's fun, and the week flies by. But then, another week passes, and you'll move to a different camp. This one isn't great. There are no sheets on the beds, and you're forced to wear dirty old clothes. Then, another week, and another new camp. This one has rats and you're not allowed to leave. Then you're moved again, and this time you're told your parents have abandoned you, you're fed scraps of food, and you're put up for adoption. This, and experiences like it, are what we've been told is happening to Ukrainian children in Russia. Ukraine says 12,000 of its children have been abducted from occupied territories and taken to Russia. The real figure may exceed 700,000. We know from CCTV footage how the Russian military has searched for children in this war. One of the mothers I spoke to said it was almost as if all the children of Kherson were being taken. There were so many buses. Russians are trying to resettle them throughout the territory of the Russian Federation as quickly as possible. It can often take months for families to even find out where their children are. Russia says the children are being rescued. The International Criminal Court says it's a war crime, and it's issued an arrest warrant for the Russian president, Vladimir Putin. There is a cut and dry international law that is being broken here with the movement of juveniles across international borders without the permission of the parents. So why is Russia stealing Ukraine's children? Where are they now? And who are the people trying to find them and bring them home? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, Ukraine's stolen children. 
My name is Christina Lamb, and I'm Chief Foreign Correspondent for the Sunday Times, and I mostly go to places other people are leaving. Christina is renowned for her reporting on women in war. She's followed a number of stories of abducted children, from Yazidi girls in Iraq to the children taken by Boko Haram in Nigeria. This was one of the most heartbreaking stories that I've looked at. I met several families, but one in particular, a mother called Tatiana and her 11-year-old daughter, Lillian. And I met them in a hotel on the outskirts of Kiev when the Russians had taken over their town of Kherson in the south of Ukraine. Lilia came home from school one day with a note saying that the children were all being invited to a summer camp in Crimea. Lilia was very excited about going. Lots of her friends were going. Tatiana thought it was a bit odd because they were told to be at the Riverport at 6 a.m. the next morning, so there wasn't much time. Hmm. And she was told to take her there with her birth certificate. So she was a That's little bit... That's alarming. Yeah, she was a bit disconcerted. Because where they were going to the camp was in Crimea, which was annexed by the Russians in 2014. And she was a little bit worried that it might not be so easy to get her back. But the parents had been told it's safer there, or it will be away from the bombing, and it will be fun for the kids. So her mom took her the next morning, handed her over to the headmaster, And when she heard next from Lilia, who had a phone, Lilia told her that it was great, that they were by the sea, they were seeing concerts, and uh, they'd seen dolphins, and it all seemed lots of fun. She also told her mum that everything was in Russian, and that they had to sing the Russian national anthem every morning. So that seemed a little bit odd. How did her mother feel about that? She had a bad feeling about all of this from the beginning, but there never really seemed to be any choice about the children going. So then the camp was supposed to be for two weeks. And after Mm. two weeks, instead of coming home, her mum was told that they'd been moved to another camp and that they would be delayed for a bit. Then they were told that they were moving to yet another camp, and then another camp, and they moved four times. Meanwhile, her mum is starting to go mad, right? She's calling the school, saying, what's happening? Why aren't you bringing the children back? And they were like, I don't make so much fuss, and it's fine. And then eventually the teacher just stopped answering the phone. And they're there at the camp with the, with the children. Some of the teachers were at the camp. Some were still at the school. And so she went to the school and said, why can't I have my daughter back? And they were like, why are you making all this fuss? Your daughter's having a great time. Then the, the headmaster disappeared altogether. 
And six months later, after this, what was supposed to be a two-week summer camp, she still hadn't come back. I mean, we can just imagine how alarming that would be for her mother. Yeah, she's a single mom. She works in a butter processing factory. There's war on, and her daughter's the other side of the lights, the front line, and she just had no way of knowing what to do. Christina, we'll, we'll come back to the story of, of Lilia and what happened in just a moment. But before we do, just taking a step back, you know, how much is this happening? And just tell us about the other methods that are being used to effectively abduct children. This actually has been happening on a really wide scale. Some of the children were, were taken, like Lilia, where they were tricked, told they were going to summer camps or to football camps. Um, others were snatched directly from their parents. Then there were cases where parents were killed in the war and the children were taken. Then you have these so-called filtration camps where the Russians move into an area and they move a lot of the population into these camps where they decide who is on their side or not. And then some of those places, the children are separated from the parents and taken. And then you have these sort of wholesale abductions from orphanages because Ukraine had the highest rate of institutionalization of children in Europe. More than 105,000 children were in orphanages. And so Russians went into some of these orphanages and just took the whole lot of children. And so for this reason, it's actually very difficult to know the numbers. So I spoke to the Children's Commissioner in Ukraine, Daria Heresinchuk, and she told me that official numbers were 16,221. Wow. But she believed that there were hundreds of thousands of children because the numbers she has are literally just the ones where it's fully documented. And in most cases, that hasn't happened. Yeah. You can just imagine how hard it'll be to try and get some of these children back when it's so difficult to know how many have even gone. How long has this been going on? It actually started in 2014 when the Russians annexed Crimea and they had a, a program which was called the Train of Hope where they took children and as some people said it might actually even be Russian soldiers now because some of those children were taken to be cadets. Um, wow, the children who were taken from Ukraine yeah. might now be fighting on behalf of Russia. Absolutely. As its promotional videos show, military-style training is a key activity. Children are taught to handle and fire weapons. At another camp, But it's happened on this big scale since the full-scale invasion of Ukraine in February of last year. Russia... Troops have gone into areas like Kherson, Mariupol. In our city of Kherson, there are no children left in any orphanage. They were all taken out by the invaders, and we do not know the fate of these children. Places around Kharkiv in the north and Bucha, Erpin, Ostomel, around Kiev. Each time they've occupied those places, this has happened. That the children have been taken. And are these... Abductions, are they ramping up or are there fewer of them now? 
I don't think it's ramping up because this is really happening when the Russians take over areas and they haven't taken any over any significant town since they lost Kherson last autumn. Coming up, what actually happens to these children when they get to Russia? We'll find out in just a moment. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Christina, from what we know, who are the Russians who, who are taking these children? Is this sort of an official program? It has to be a state policy because they're being flown on military planes. The children have been paraded on TV. We've seen them being met by officials, being given teddy bears. In these photos published by the Russian government, Maria Lvova-Belova is seen welcoming children from Ukraine, transported two and a half thousand miles to its east. Waiting Russian families are ready to receive the children. So the Russians claim that this is almost a humanitarian thing, that these are children that don't have parents or guardians and that they are taking them in to, to help them. But also don't forget there was endless stuff on the Russian news about how everything in Ukraine is bad and actually it's really part of Russia and we need to take it back. So taking these children is part of that. In reality, what it seems they're doing is abducting on a, on a massive scale. And why do you think Russia's doing that? Partly for propaganda, this so-called sort of Russification campaign that they take the children and then sort of re-educate them. But also the law was changed in Russia last year too, and it used to be prohibited to adopt children 
from a foreign country if that country didn't give permission. And that was changed to make it easier for Russians to adopt Ukrainian children. So it's almost like a form of genocide of like taking part of the population and making it your population. In fact, the Children's Commissioner in Russia, she posted that she'd adopted one of the children, teenage boy from Mariupol. And she also said that one group of Ukrainian children, when they'd come, had been singing the Ukrainian national anthem and, and saying, Slava Ukraina. But she said, we've erased that from them. Is there a part of this, this current scheme which is down to population for Russia? Some of the, the children that were taken to Crimea, they were told to tell their parents that if you come to Crimea, you can live with the children, we'll provide you an apartment, an allowance. So, yeah, this is definitely part of it. In this way, they increase the number of citizens of the Russian Federation, reduce the number of Ukrainians, and compensate for their losses on the front line. And Christina, do we know what happens to the children when they get there? Some of them have stayed in these camps. There's supposed to be more than 40 camps in Crimea. And they say that as they were moved, conditions sort of deteriorated. I had this feeling that we would never return to our native Ukraine. One boy I spoke to talked about being treated like an animal and that there were sort of cockroaches and rats in, oh. in, in the camps. One of the girls that I spoke to was 15 called Anastasia, who, like a typical teenage girl, spent much of her time on her phone. But she was telling me how they weren't allowed out at all. And she tried to, to go out and was hit. They gathered all the Ukrainian kids and said, Ukrainians are terrorists who kill children and people. Ukraine doesn't need you. They'd beat you with a stick for supporting Ukraine. You were supposed to support Russia. And some of their teachers went with them who were Ukrainian, and they were not letting these children go out. So that raises the whole issue of collaborators and from talking to children that were taken and have got out, I mean, that they were made to sing the Russian national anthem, made to speak in Russian, made to watch propaganda films. After breakfast at quarter past eight every day, we had to do morning exercises. Then we had to stand for the Russian anthem. They were told that the Ukrainians are Nazis. They're also lied to. I mean, they were told that they'd been abandoned by their own parents. So others have been given to families. Some of the children who have got out have said that they felt very angry with their families because they were, in many cases, told that they'd been abandoned by their own parents. Now, the Russian Children's Commissioner has insisted recently that this is a foster scheme. They haven't actually been adopted and the families can take them back if they want to. But that's easier said than done. 
So, we know what's happened to some of these children because a lucky handful have managed to escape and have talked about their ordeal. Just tell us, how did those rescues come about and how many children do we think have been brought back to Ukraine? I think the latest figure is about 350 children have been rescued, which is very small compared to the numbers that were taken, but it's still quite astonishing that they've been brought back. So there's various ways of, of getting them back. There's been some prisoner of war swaps. The Ukrainian officials are very secretive about that, not surprisingly, but there are also some private organizations that have managed to get some of the children back. The biggest um, number had been by an organization called Save Ukraine, and they've done five rescue missions now. Save Ukraine told parents that you, you have to get all these documents ready, and then you are going to have to journey into Russia yourself. And it's an incredibly circuitous journey because, for example, the ones that I met were from around Kherson in the south of Ukraine. Their children had been taken to the Crimean Peninsula. It's only a few hundred miles. It should just take a few hours. But they can't make that journey because it would mean crossing the front line. And so they have to do this incredibly circuitous journey, literally a big circle. So they actually go north, they go west to Poland, then they go north to Belarus, sometimes even Latvia and then Belarus, then through Belarus to Russia, to Moscow, and then all the way down through Russia to Crimea. So some of the parents, it's taken them 15 days, and much of that is sort of in enemy territory. So they're really worried that they're going to be arrested. And in fact, the last group that just came back underwent a 14-hour interrogation at the border by FSB officials. They were like, why are you here? Are your husbands fighting against Russia? And oh, were really scared. Um, 13 mothers had gone and also grandmother, and she had a heart attack and died. And in fact, those two children couldn't be brought back. And Christina, is there any help for them from the international community? What's happening um, on that front? The International Criminal Court has issued arrest warrants for both Vladimir Putin, but also the Russian Children's Commissioner, precisely for doing this, for unlawfully deporting the children from Ukraine. It is forbidden by international law for occupied powers to transfer civilians from the territory they live in to other territories. Children enjoy special protection under the Geneva Convention. The EU and Poland have got a joint initiative to try and track down more of the children the most important issue is to establish a special tribunal how to bring to justice those responsible. In order to get this, we need to get an exact number and exact names of every single kid who has been kidnapped. There's UN officials trying to piece together, but uh, my impression is that not 
really getting very far. It's really interesting what you said about the ICC, because that did have an immediate sort of stop all the headlines across the world moment. How did that go down in Russia? And has it changed their attitude, do you think, to to bringing more children over? So their children's commissioner described these allegations as a farce and and they've talked about conspiracy theory. And so they haven't admitted that they're doing anything wrong. The allegations are very abstract. We haven't received any documents. We do not understand what we are accused of. So far, it looks like a farce. It looks completely vague and unclear. Just zooming out, in a way, you know, we hadn't seen Russia doing this before so much, but around the world and through history, this idea of sort of taking children... Tell us a bit about how this has been used in the past. In the Second World War, Nazis took around 400,000 Slavic children and forcibly transported them to Nazi Germany. Some of them were used in forced labor, some medical experimentations, and then ones that they thought looked more like their kind of Aryan ideal were subjected to Germanization, and they were sent to German families. But there have been many examples of many of things I've covered over the years. ISIS horrifically abducting Yazidi girls to be sex slaves, but they also abducted a lot of boys to fight. And then in Nigeria, Boko Haram, they also have often abducted young boys to, to get them to fight, as well as the young women to be their so-called bushwives. I mean, another thing that I I have reported on in the past was in Argentina in the 80s when the military junta abducted a lot of pregnant women, made the women give birth, then killed the women, and the children were then handed over to their own killers. You know, there are parallels with this with Russia and Ukraine. These children are being handed over to people whose forces are killing their relations and families. Just going back to where we started, to the to the story of one little girl, Lilia, and her, her mother, we left them while Lilia had been taken away on a school trip for two weeks, which had gone on and on and on. And her mother was getting no replies from the teachers. They'd just started ignoring her calls. What happened to Lilia? So she was moved from camp to camp, but eventually her mum, through Save Ukraine, managed to go to Crimea on this trip. As I talked about, that was incredibly long and at the border she was very aggressively searched and they asked her if she was a sniper Um, but eventually they got to the the camps and presented the documents they'd been told to take with them and to her surprise the gates were open and the children were allowed out and Lilia came running towards her mother and she said that they both wept and in fact her mum said she felt as if she'd had three sacks of rocks on her back and in that one moment they'd all fallen off. 
So those 15 or 16 parents, their kids were in different camps. They went to a number of camps and collected them and then made the long journey back home. In fact, they haven't been able to go home because what was their home is in a dangerous area at the moment. So that's why they're in this hotel in Kyiv. How do you feel now you're back home? The soil feels softer. And did you miss your dad? Very much. And of the children who are still being held in Russia, how many of them do you think will make it back to Ukraine? How many will be able to see their families again? It's really hard to know. I think the ones in the camps, I believe there's about 6,000 in camps in Crimea, those are the most accessible, but the others, I just don't know. I think the hope is that now this uh, arrest warrants have been issued that maybe President Putin will feel that actually this is not worth the hassle, but he's not shown a great willingness in changing his mind about what he's doing there up to now. What hope is there now for, for those children who've been taken? What's their best hope of coming back to Ukraine? Well, of course, the longer that this goes on, the harder it is, because then they just sort of disappear into the system somewhere. Russia, as we know, is a very big place, and each time these rescues are just a few people. As a, a mom myself, I can't really imagine what it must be like to know that your child has been taken and is not only somewhere you can't get to, but it's actually the enemy is holding them. You just feel like you might never see them again. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, Christina Lamb, Chief Foreign Correspondent at The Sunday Times. You can find all of Christina's work at thetimes.co.uk with a subscription or in print on Sundays. The producer today was Olivia Case. The executive producer is Kate Ford, and sound design was by David Crackles. If you can, please do leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.